0: and the key lessons we've learned along the way about generating passive income. The things we discuss in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice, and we recommend you reach out to a licensed professional advisor who can help you with your unique circumstances. Enjoy the show. G'day, welcome to the Low Rates, High Returns podcast with me, Pete Wargent. I'm here with Stephen Moriarty. G'day, Steve. Welcome. How are you? Got a mouthful of food, probably. Let (laughs) me (laughs) just (laughs) clean my tea. So today we're going to talk about systematic investing. So interesting thing uh, during this uh, recent shutdown that we've had because of the COVID-19 crisis in 2020. um, I haven't really been driving a lot recently, but normally when I drive down to Brisbane, uh, from Noosa, so it's it's a clear run the whole way. Usually pick up a few demerit points, but that's another story. But when I get down to Castle Dine, every every time this happens, there's there's a, this, this bit the traffic lights uh, near the the service station there where all the traffic gets snarled up. So I do this thing where I go, oh, you know, I want to get to the office, I want to get to Brisbane CBD. So I duck across to the inside lane. Uh, but then that, that lane gets stuck and then the other lane starts moving. Yeah. And I'm like, for goodness <laughs> sake, and then I jump across to the other lane and then the inside lane starts moving and it never achieves anything. And it doesn't stop me doing this every, every single time. And um, yep. it's that tendency to think, well, things are going better over there, so maybe I should be going this way. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, oh, no, maybe actually things are going better over there. And, I mean, that can be a logical uh, view of the world, if you've got some kind of a system, but if you're just making ad hoc decisions and chasing the latest fad, then it, it, it almost invariably by the time you're you always late. Yeah, you're late to the party, <laughs> and you end up finding you um, go nowhere. So today we want to talk about uh, this concept: is you, you either invest using gut feelings or you have a systematic process, and yep. there, there's no real in between there. Uh, really. And the importance of a systematic approach.
1: It's the one thing that you get to realize, especially after you lose. Especially after lose a lot of money. <laughs> um, you sort of go, gee, maybe I need to study up on this, um, which is what I did when I was younger. You know, like I lost, I always say to people, I had some really great winners, let me tell you about those. <laughs> no, I don't want to tell you about my shitty bets. Um, and you find out, you sort of go, oh, you know, there I made 50 grand. Mm, there I lost 60 grand. Mm, in actual fact, I lost money. And I think I sort of finished up with this in the last, um, the last podcast. You can't keep running on luck right, because it just doesn't work like that. The old investors or the experienced ones have a system, right, and they all adhere to the system. Now, the system might be different because there's people who make money day trading, there's people who make money, you know, doing seasonality, there's investors, there's quantitative, there's value guys, there's growth guys, you know, there's heaps of ways to do it. But everyone who's successful has a system, they don't go. Oh yeah, mate! I just wing it every time, and you know that's the way I'm. That's the way I've been a success. It doesn't work like that.
0: So we definitely, uh, especially when younger, have this tendency to see what's been working for somebody else, yeah, and then yeah. to think, oh, you know, maybe that's the way to go. In recent times, it's been cryptocurrencies, speculative mining stocks was a big thing in Australia. Yep. Uh, speculative mining town property was another. I remember uh, back when I worked in London for one of the corporates, so... We had this uh, team building day or whatever they used to call them, essentially an excuse to get drunk, um, at the uh, Walthamstow dog track, which is alas no longer. But uh, I was a fairly regular greyhound uh, attendee in my earlier days, so I kind of had some idea of what was going on. In other words, it's just pure luck. and (laughs) Unless you've got inside information, you're not going to make any money. But one of the guys there, this guy uh, Simon, who I used to work with, he put on this ridiculous combination trio bet on the very first race that came up trumps and he he won a bucket load and for the rest of the entire evening every single person in the in the firm was putting on this same bet because you know it's going to come off it seemed to be it seemed to be a wise move but obviously somebody had studied gambling quite a lot in my teens I knew there was zero chance of another one coming up on the evening and it's the same a little bit in, in markets, is that we have this tendency to look at what has worked recently for other people, yep. and then to think, well, that must be the good way to go, if you like.
1: Yeah, it's um, there's a, a thing, what's his name, Buchanan talked about, and he said, you know, what you want to look at is, the reality is what we're investing for is to make money. Okay, what's the best way to make money? Look for patterns, and then you can predict what's coming next, with a reasonable degree of accuracy, right? So... What Buchanan says is, what you want to do is you want to focus on the pattern, not on the people. You would know this yourself. When you talk about markets, people will say, oh, the stock market's high. Yep, okay, but it's high and it's okay because interest rates are low. Oh, okay, all right. Well, and that's why it's high? Yep, and so it's safe to buy stocks. Yep, why? Because interest rates are low. Okay, but... What about when interest rates were, you know, being slashed from 2000 to 2003 and you lost 50 percent? Oh, well, on that occasion, you know, blah, blah, blah. So what what I'm saying is a lot of the time what we do is we we use events to justify what's happening at the moment. Right. And so, you know, you see those charts of the 80 years of, you know, 100 years of American you know, stock market, and it's bottom left, top right, and it's got the squiggles, you know, and they've got, you know, World War II, 1929, um, you know, three guys sitting in a restaurant. They've got all these mark marker of events which are subjectively picked, right? Some of them you look at and go, well, that's not even correlated to the stock market, so what's the point in putting that in? And so what you find is we're always looking for a story rather than just going... Listen, the stock market will pay you 1%. Oh, that's awful. But there's a story. Oh, but interest rates are low. So therefore, it's actually relatively, it's really good, you know, blah, blah, blah. So again, you get this stuff where you're making up stories to suit the times rather than just saying, this is my system. These stocks don't fit my system. Therefore, I'm going to sit it out or as most of us do, say, well, I'm not going to be 80% invested, I'll be 20% for those that actually manage their own money. And so, again, you just got to keep coming back to that sort of objective process and realising you're not going to be right
0: all the time. So nobody ever says, oh, interest rates are low because growth is awful. Yeah, yeah. They say things are really shit. (laughs) Stocks are high because interest rates are low. So (laughs) Everybody's having a great time. It's a good point, actually. You do get those graphs. uh, They get produced from time to time, the bottom left to top right ones. And I guess uh, if they were being produced uh, more accurately, they should really be on a log scale to reflect for for one thing. But also they're they're very rarely inflation-adjusted. Um, And who invests for 120 years? Well, it would be nice, but I I doubt we've got that kind of a timescale. You know what I mean,
1: though? It's like, what's the point? The point is, oh, just buy stocks and they'll go up. Look. And it's like, but hang on, from 64 to 82, they went nowhere. Oh, yeah, but besides that, you've done all right. And it's like, okay, But, you know, that's not the way it sort of worked out.
0: So a more useful uh, graph or chart might be to look at, say, well, the CAPE ratio that swings between, well, four at the very lowest point and 44 in the middle of the tech bubble. And that could be a much more instructive way to look at the market. And as at the time of speaking, it's pretty high, about 28. So that tells you, well, the returns from this point, dollars invested today probably aren't going to return. They might return 4% nominal over a decade or whatever it may be. Uh, Whereas uh, if you invest more when the market's lower, then obviously the returns can be compounded much more quickly yeah, uh, so so that's one thing if you if you're working towards developing a written plan or a systematic plan for investing if you look at the if you look at the market that goes in the
1: the bull and bear market cycles if you think that you're going to outperform or you're going to do really well when everybody else is you know everybody else is in a bear market and you've seen this recently, and I think I'd, I'd, you know, you and I discussed this a few weeks ago when I said, you know, i had my money, I had a small portion of my money with a fund manager who's done unbelievably since 2009, right? Fantastic returns. Then I got the monthly statement at the end of March which said, oh, mate, we lost 35% this month. And it was like, huh, um, sorry? You know, they went from, in the last five years, outperforming the market in one month, losing 35% sent them from being above average to below average, right? Now, these guys are great stock pickers. You know, they know a lot about the economy, all of that stuff. But the reality was they were, like everybody else, got smashed when the market falls. And so it sort of uh, gets back to what Howard Mark said, you know, like if you're investing when the times are running against you, then, you know, that's a pretty brave thing to do. And so the way to avoid that is to develop a system which says, even that one point, if you said, well, look, when the Cape is at um, uh, 25, that's when I'm going to start bailing out, right? That would save you lots and lots of money. Now people will say, "Oh yeah, and we've talked about this before. You know, oh the cap will go to 44 and you'll miss out all those returns." It's like, "Hang on, it ended up at 15." So what who missed out on the returns? It's not the people who have that systematic approach based on understanding that yeah, you can you can do so much to improve your returns, but a lot of it is actually
0: not under your control. So we talk um, in our book about the eight Timeless principles mm. of investing and using that to develop your written plan, which yep. is one of the key principles. In fact, systematic investing. I suppose when you, everyone will go through these periods where things don't work out as planned, and you know you have good and bad times, and you start to question the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, but let's um, take it to a practical point. If you're going to develop a written investment plan. So what things do you think should be in it? Um, how long should it be? Uh, so I think mine only runs to about three pages yeah. in a Word document. It's not, it's not very long, but the, the information in it for me is obviously very important. Yeah, it doesn't, have to be, it doesn't have to be complex.
1: Money is serious. We tend to think it's complex, and it's, it's actually not that complex at all. And the, more, the longer I invest, the more I realise that the simpler it sort of gets. And the reason why is because, you, you know, when you study history, you get to understand it's really got nothing to do with interest rates and, you know, because every time you look at it, you go, well, hang on, economic growth was booming there and the stock market didn't return anything. Oh, well, that's because inflation was high. Oh, okay. But over here, when inflation was high, the stock market did really well. Oh, yeah. Well, on that occasion, it was X, Y, Z. What you find is it comes back to things like valuation. Right. But that's a really simple story, but that will stand you instead most of the time, you know, to do well. Will it do well every time? No. But if you're going to invest for 30 or 40 years, then you've got to have that process that is as simple as possible. You know, like you see some of those and I'm not being critical of um, technical analysis per se, but you see some of those charts where there's, you know, 800 lines. (laughs) You know, like they're going left, right, and oh, it's a support base, but if it if it breaks through there, it's a resistance or, you know, and you sort of look at it and go, oh, Jesus, you know, like... It's a vomiting camel pattern. Well, yeah, it's just a stuff like, you know, that may well be a legitimate pattern, but the problem with a lot of stuff is, does it work all the time? And that's why we teach the timeless principles, because what we're saying is, look, here's eight principles. They will work most of the time. Now, if you said to me, oh, well, you know, what about gold and, you know, what about Bitcoin and what about this? And it's like, yeah, well, it might work, but that's a lot more luck than it is skill. You know, you've got to have those principles that you say, yes, it works and I just maintain that sort of regime. And what you find is once you do that, a lot of the excitement or, you know, the sort of thrill of investing becomes fairly mundane. You know, why? Because once you sort of get to know the ebbs and the flows, it's interesting, but it's not emotional, right? And that's what you don't want to do. You know, Buffett said, if you can't control your emotions, you can't control your money, right? Ben Graham said exactly the same thing. And so it's basically saying, how do I counter my subjectivity and my emotions? And that's by saying, all right, institute a system and find ways to stick to the system, right? How do you lose weight? Well, don't fill your bloody fridge full of chocolate and go, I'll oh, be strong, you know, because we know that you won't be strong.
0: Yeah, I think actually yeah. once you have a systematic plan in place, I think you're right. You take a much more considered and calm view of markets yeah. because, look, if the market goes up, well, great. You know, my, my stocks have gone up. Peel some money off. Yeah, if the market goes down, well, that's no big deal either because I can add some more in. Yeah. Um, and you don't become emotionally tied to the daily moves or the monthly moves yeah. because you've got a system for dealing with it. Yeah. And I think, as we mentioned in a previous episode, you, you really should look at your investing uh, approach over time as becoming less emotional as time goes on Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, following the plan that you've put in place. Now, I suppose the thing with a plan is that if you deviate from that plan, then you need to go back and say, right, either one of two things has happened here. One... Why have I deviated? Maybe I, I just got caught up in the moment or yep. I got uh, panicked or emotional, whatever it may and be. And how do I deal? How do I
1: make sure that doesn't happen again?
0: Yes. And or secondly, maybe the plan actually does need tweaking because yeah, yeah. you haven't, you you know, the different things happen in markets and every cycle. And maybe there is a, something that could be improved upon in yep. the plan, but it can only be one of those two things. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have a plan, then you're almost guaranteed to make mistakes and emotional decisions.
1: Yeah, yeah. This And and again, what we talked about in earlier episodes, you know, like um, what we were saying, you know, this goes on YouTube. I've got 10 Ferraris, you know, and I did X. And it's like, right, of course you did. But, you know, that doesn't work. You know, it's the one hit wonders. They're not systematic. You know, they're, they're looking at certain times and it di- it gets back to what we were saying about with um, you know Buffett and the the uh, super investors you know of Graham and Doddsville. What he was saying was there will be people who will get lucky by sheer randomness you know and you might be one of them. The important part is saying well how often am I going to be lucky and do I want to rely on luck or do I want to rely on skill I want to rely on skill okay well if I'm going to have to rely on skill, then I'm going to have to build a skill base and I'm going to have to build a system and I'm going to have to find out about myself and I'm going to have to look at groupthink, you know? So you build a process that that I use and we give to our clients and stuff, which is saying, righto, where did you find out about this stock? Why are you actually looking at this stock? You know, so you go through that process of saying, well, hang on. Am I actually making a decision under my own steam? Or did I come home from the party because that guy was saying, you know, property's booming in Sydney or Melbourne or, you know, crypto's the place to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're the fads, you know. And if you know about market cycles that come and go, the hard part is going, look, there's the really crappy one. Oh, okay. Well, I'll take that one. Because it may well mean revert, whereas it's much easier to just go, "Oh, they're making money in crypto. I'll
0: go to crypto." But it's like, hang on, the best the money's probably been made. You touched on a really uh, important point there. So we've talked in previous episodes about individual decision making, yep. uh, group think and so <clears throat> yep. on. And it's very very hard for people uh, in their if their social circle or friends or people they circulate with. If somebody's making wealth, it's very difficult for you to be somebody who sits there and goes, well, that's fine, you know. Good Uh, for them. Yeah, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's it. I I wish them all the best. (laughs) Uh, Well, I can remember um, in my corporate years when, when people went off to set up their own businesses, 2005, 6, 7. If they didn't go well during the GFC, there was a certain like uh, schadenfreude about the people (laughs) people who were still stuck in the corporate role. You were
1: never talented.
0: (laughs) That's it. Yeah, you you know, they're back to the nine to five. You know, they were never going to succeed. And we see this is one of the big drivers of real estate cycles. You know, it's easy to sit on the sidelines when markets are flat, but then you see uh, some uneducated guy in the office and he's making... Tens of thousands, hundreds yeah, yeah. of thousands. And and then you think, well, maybe I need to be doing more yep. of the same. And it's obviously it's a difficult thing to do, to sit on the sidelines. I think um, uh, George Orwell uh, recognised this in The Road to Wigan Pier. He said that unemployment... It's, a, you know, obviously a dreadful thing to have to deal with, but, you know, if everyone on your street's unemployed, then, well, it's not so bad because yeah, we're, yeah. we're all in this together. Together, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a bit the same at the, the low end of the cycle, but also the peak as well, when yeah, you know, somebody who you think is undeserving is making returns and you're not. Well, it's, not.
1: it's like um, if you have a look at inherited wealth, you can look at it and go, oh, they must be really talented. And then you go, oh, and his dad was a zillionaire. You sort of go, oh, well, hang on a second. That, and it gives you a completely different perspective of that person. Why? Because you think they're really talented and then when you look at it and you get the background, you sort of go, well, no, they're not. You know, they just got lucky because their old man had, you know, lots of money. I think it was Stephen Mayne when Kerry Packer died, he said, you know, Kerry Packer I think left $7 billion or something like that. And what he did was he said if Kerry had put the money in the stock market when Frank his old man gave it to him, he'd have actually made more money. So Kerry spent a lifetime doing deals and blah, blah, blah. It didn't even beat the average investor in the stock market. It's
0: not like Stephen Maine to be shit staring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? A good I'm, just, point. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I look at my own decisions and I go, Whew, Jesus, I'm lucky I got out of that sucker. You know, that's what that's you've got to be realistic enough and and sort of brutal to say. That was lucky, you know, and I've done this quite a few times and you do it in your own life. You have a look at where in life you think to yourself, Jesus, you know, like I could have easily died, you know, drink driving, you know, too much alcohol, too many drugs, you know, swimming pool or doing this or doing that. You look at it and you go, you know, like one slip. And it could be all over. Thought I was on the wrong podcast for a yeah, minute. Yeah, no, no, there, no. But, but I'm just sort of saying what, I, what I'm saying is you've got to realize how lucky you actually are, you know, and it's it's really critical because what it does is it keeps you grounded and you know, you don't you know, you don't go and buy ten Ferraris and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's what happens a lot, you know, lots of people get lucky once and then fail to replicate it without understanding. They just got lucky.
0: Yeah, so you need to have that rigorous approach to looking back. We mentioned in the previous episode skill versus luck. Recognise when you were skillful, or when you made systematic decisions, recognise when you were lucky. Uh, And that, that applies to your personal life as well. Absolutely. And a couple of good points there. So... There's not really much point in comparing yourself to other people sometimes because nope. you just don't know what you know their background yeah, yeah you've yeah. got to run your own race and it, there's really very little value in looking at somebody else who's inherited wealth and saying, "Oh well, I wish I was like them uh, because there there is a, a sort of a, a different psychological aspect to this, and that is if you've gone through life and you've achieved things yourself, I mean those are very satisfying moments you know you, you're buying your first car, your first yeah. unit you know, going through all of those things. If somebody else does it for you, you can't have any of that satisfaction. Yeah, uh, they, they just on that,
1: they said that about, um, or Elvis, I think, said that. You know, Elvis Presley, they said, you know, what's thrilling? And, it, and a lot of it uh, towards the end, he said, there's not much thrill at all because there's, th- yeah, hamburgers and peanut butter. There's not much of a thrill at all because I can have whatever I want. He didn't say it like that, but essentially what he was saying was there's no thrill of saving, there's no achievement. I've got everything I want, and so it—it it was a bit like, well, what's sort of left to do? But to do that, you got—you know—you got to be grounded, as I said, and and understand that a lot of it, what you will do, is luck. And what you want to do is try and counter that with as much sort of skill as possible.
0: Yeah, I think as well with the celebrity culture these days and Instagram, yeah, you know, yeah. people think they look at other people's circumstances. Oh, that they've got everything yeah. made and. With, and they that, must be deliriously happy. Yeah, well, well, which we know is not the case. But also, celebrity can be very uh, fickle. You know, people can be very successful one year and th- and then they're yesterday's news. And the wealth rarely uh, survives. It's very, comparatively few celebrities uh, retire or die wealthy because yep. they've got no context for maintaining and investing that that level of wealth. Uh, so that's where you've got to bring it back to your personal. Goals, your personal situation, yep. and having a systematic approach for building your wealth through the cycle. So, yeah, I've got a template investment plan that I use, but you have to ultimately develop your own that fits with your personality type yep. and what it is you're trying to achieve over what time. Yeah, I'm. yeah. The,
1: these days, and for the last probably 10 years, I've just been methodical in investing systematically, you know, and it's proven successful. Not because I'm a genius or, you know, I'm special, but simply because I've had a system that I've stuck to. Now, sometimes I've got lucky and other times I've been unlucky. That sort of washes out. But generally, if you create a system that's, you know, like based on evidence, it's realistic, those sort of things will stand you in good stead, right? And that's why we developed the principles because, you you know, we sort of looked at it and went, what's the commonality? right? What would work in all markets? Well, you know, looking at things like CAPE or looking at things like, like you say, being systematic, looking at things saying, well, let's, you know, a lot of it's about asset allocation, right? And a lot of it's about rebalancing, right? Okay. You know, those sort of things, if they keep coming up time and time again, you have to say to yourself, there might be something in this, you know, rather than saying, Oh, I got lucky there and I got lucky there and I got lucky there and I got lucky there. It's like, mm, you're a very lucky individual. It doesn't it doesn't really wash like that.
0: So there's a few things uh, to wrap up with. I think if you're going to develop your own system, obviously you're not just going to decide on day one, right? That's my system, off we yeah, go. It's yeah, going to yeah. take some time to develop. Trial and your error own, stuff. Yeah, to develop your own path, I guess, because yep. uh, we all have different personality types and goals. Uh, obviously Reading widely can be pretty useful in terms of understanding the cycles, understanding history. Uh, I think we've put some recommended books in previous show notes. Um, So reading widely and also talking to experienced investors makes a huge difference because in every cycle you get new younger investors who haven't seen a lot of these patterns repeating before, like new tech and uh, overuse of leverage and all the other things that come around. And uh, sometimes the old heads can sound a bit boring or, you know, these guys, are, they're not living in the now or, the, you know, they're going senile or whatever. But quite often you, what they're saying is these patterns repeat. repeat.
1: themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, um, I would always urge people to read a lot. The other thing people should do is when you read is not just read, but read critically and think. Thinking is probably the most underrated skill In investing so rather than just saying oh the average returns eight percent okay is it you know where uh, where are the competing theories you know like you say average return oh but then if I use the geometric return that's what I really get oh well hang on so the average return's not right okay you you basically spend a lot of time taking away the incorrect knowledge that you've just assumed And I think that Mark Twain with that, um, it isn't what, you know, it isn't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you don't, what you know that just ain't so, you know. And a lot of people have got these pre-existing ideas or beliefs, politics, religion, you know, investing, money, all sorts of stuff. Once you start breaking those down and seeing if they're correct, which is where the stock market tells you pretty quickly they're either correct or they're not, that's when you start to go, oh, hang on, I need to start having a bit more of a thought about this sort of stuff. That's when you start, you know, the cogs start turning and you start realising that you need to have a systematic approach rather than just going, oh, well, I'll
0: just wing it every time. Thinking is one of the most underrated skills, yeah. isn't it? Because it's amazing how often people will read a book and they'll come away, uh, I've been convinced by this. Yes, yeah. This text. It doesn't matter, you know, no critical thought as to whether it might be... Good, bad, indifferent, appropriate yeah. to situation. Uh, but worse than that, you know, these days people will see a media headline and and they'll take that as as being fact. Or yep. you know, worse than that, they'll he go, must
1: know he's an expert.
0: Yeah. Or people just go down the local pub and then the guy yep. says, oh, we're, we're heading into a you know into a period of this or yeah. a period of that or this stock's worth looking at. You know, you really have to do your own thinking, uh, and reading widely is obviously a key part of that. But actually. Applying some critical thought as well because you can't just accept everything you read as being uh, read. The
1: gospel, yeah, yeah. It really is important. The journey is actually the important bit because what you realise is you never really get to a point. We talk about this in the four F's. You don't get somewhere and go, righto, that's it, pull up stumps. And it's like, well, no, you've got to keep living and doing stuff. So, you know, how do you sort of manufacture your life that way as opposed to Always being obsessive about a goal, because what you find is, and most people who are really, really skilled find that they say, you know, it's basically just the the art of trying to perfect yourself or your system. That's the goal. The goal is not, you know, zillions of dollars, although that's nice. the The good part is just trying to, you know, perfect it and get it better and better think about it, read it. You know, like I've been investing for 20 years. I've read heaps of books. I still, I've got 50 books there that I've got to read, you know, and I'm still getting, I'm still reading books because I always think to myself, well, there could be something in that and it's well worth reading. Again, keeping that open mind and saying, well, there's something where I might add to my system or something where I might say, well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. That's not really relevant here.
0: You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's a a really good point. So focusing on the process rather than the outcome. Absolutely. Developing your own systematic approach, putting it into a written plan, putting that plan into practice and then uh, evolving that plan over time to suit your own personal circumstances. So uh, that's it for today. Um, If you want to know some more, you can always check out our uh, blog, lowrateshighreturns.com or our coaching programs, go nextlevelwealth.com and we look forward to joining you next time cheers see you next time thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you want to know more you can download a free chapter and extra bonuses from our new book Low Rates High Returns just visit www.lowrateshighreturns.com forward slash book to download your free copy The things we've discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice and we recommend you reach out to a licensed professional advisor who can help you with your unique circumstances. Stephen and I are both on LinkedIn and Twitter so do reach out and connect with us. And finally, it'd be great if you could subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps others to find the show. Now take care and invest wisely. Cheers.